Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today's episode is brought to you in partnership with Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what the hype was all about. Now, I literally can't miss a day. It's the first thing I put in my body every single morning. As someone who suffers from IBS, AG1 has completely improved my gut health and allows me to have sustained energy throughout the day. And since I'm always on the go, the travel packs make it so easy to stay consistent wherever I am. Love it. I've personally been taking AG1 for a while. And as someone who lacked a multivitamin routine, AG1 has been the perfect product to mix into my morning routine. Truthfully, I was a skeptic at first as I'm with most supplements and vitamins, but I've felt noticeably better at the start of morning workouts and definitely have seen an improvement in my digestive health. I tend to mix my AG1 with two tablespoons of lemon juice and coconut water, and it's delicious. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash STW. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash STW to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth, one of the most recognizable gluten-free brands out there. The company was founded 13 years ago and has since grown from just mixes to granola, cold cereal, oatmeal, and much more. We talked to Elizabeth about the company's inception, how she has seen the industry shift throughout her years in CPG, her recent brand refresh, and much more. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Um, beyond excited to be talking to you today, uh, I want to just give a little bit of background and context. Could you just quickly introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what Purely Elizabeth is? Sure. So I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. We are actually just celebrating our 13th birthday right now. So started the company October of 2009. I was a certified holistic nutrition counselor and started with muffin mixes. And today we now have granola, oatmeal and ready to eat cereal. Okay, so we, we got to unpack a lot of this. So <laughs> why, why muffin, like, why did you start making muffin mixes? So it definitely was not my intention to make muffin mixes. I was really just uh, trying to promote my nutrition practice. So I was living in New York City. I was a big triathlete at the time. And I had gone to a triathlon in Rye, New York, uh, to promote my nutrition practice. I had a booth at the expo the day before when everyone's coming around and getting their numbers and, and such. And the night before the race, 
I figured, you know what, I don't know that anyone's going to want to come and talk to me. I better make something and entice people to come over. Nothing does that better than some free food samples. And for whatever reason, I don't know today why I made a batch of blueberry muffins, but that was what I had settled on. So I guess I could have made a cookie or I could have made something else. But um, actually, it's funny. I was going to hand out a recipe for a kale salad. That was going to be... And this is 2009. Like, kale, kale wasn't even a thing. But so instead of that, I said, you know what, I'll make blueberry muffins and uh, had the blueberry muffins at the race. And everybody thought they were delicious and immediately said, where can I buy these? And I really pivoted on the spot after I heard that, you know, over and over again. And I said, you know, when you sign up for my nutrition newsletter, I'll let you know when the product will be available. So it was early lessons of listening to your consumer and pivoting to what they want. So you made these muffins, everyone loved them. Then what happened from that race to you started off in mixes and now obviously a part of the business is mixes, but the, like, I feel like your hero product is your, your granola that everyone loves. So what was the transition and what happened in all those steps between? Yeah, so that was October of 2008. And, you know, the the year went on and I didn't leave that race and immediately like go into my kitchen and figure out and put a business plan together. I kind of put it in the back burner, to be honest. And it was probably, I don't know, five or six months before the race was happening again. I was still signed up for the race the, the next year for my nutrition practice. And I said, you know what, I have this captive audience. Like, I'm just gonna, it's very complicated to put, together a finished muffin so I can figure out how to put together a mix that's easy. So I decided, you know what, I'll just sell the mixes at the race and like, we'll see what happens. This will be my side hustle. Um, it wasn't very labor intensive, although there were 11 or so ingredients in that mix. So, you know, it, it wasn't that simple, but it wasn't a baked product. And so I brought the product to that same race and I sold out. And about a week later, I was contacted by Daily Candy, which at the time was the resource for the latest trends, products. And they featured me in their email blast, which the night before I had said, God, I hope I get 10 orders. <laughs> this is what I was putting out to the universe. And instead I had $10,000 of orders in about three hours. And probably enough mixes for like 50 mixes. So. It took me about three weeks to, to fulfill the orders. And at the time I didn't even have a kitchen. So I was living in New York City and I ended up finding a commercial kitchen in Philadelphia where I'm from. And I would drive back and forth, filling up my car with product. And, and that was how I fulfilled it. And so for that first year, I really had this captive e-com business because that's where people had found us. And it was kind of a snowball effect. You know, once Daily Candy happened, all of a sudden we had Food and Wine magazine reaching out and Oprah reaching out. And so we got a lot of great press in that first year and, um, you know, got into a couple of small little natural food stores in New York and Philadelphia. And then I went to my first Expo East actually one year after business. And I said, you know what, it's very early on to do this, but I would rather spend the money and invest early on and see if, you know, I have validation from the consumer, but let's see how the retail side feels about the product. And we won top five best new product at the show and got just great feedback on the branding and packaging, which was very unique and different at the time. And, and then it was kind of off to the races. So we, 
um, hired our first broker and an outside sales management team. And, and that was how we first really got into retail. And then the granola ended up to be an accident. So I was never a granola eater. I had never made granola. And I was living in New York and it was a, a cold Sunday in February and something possessed me to get off the couch and make a batch of granola. I don't know why. Maybe I was on Pinterest or something. It was probably pretty early on though for Pinterest. This is 2011. And I, uh, I made this batch of granola and I had had some ingredients that suppliers had sent me. So they had, I had in my cupboard, this is probably what it was. I had in my cupboard puffed amaranth that an ingredient supplier had sent me. And I'd never seen puffed amaranth. Like you can't even buy that at the store still to this day. And I was like, what would I do with this? It wouldn't go in a mix. And so maybe that was where I got the inspiration. Anyway, so I made this batch of granola and my mom was in town visiting and she was a huge granola eater. She knew every granola in the market. And so she tasted this granola out of the oven fresh. And she was like, this is the best granola I've ever had. This needs to be your next product. And I didn't change the recipe. I haven't changed the recipe from that day. So that that is and was our original granola, which is our number one seller. I'm a massive fan of the original. I have to admit, I'm a massive fan of all the flavors. Um, it's the yellow bag for people yeah. who just call it by the color because that's what many people do. Um, so I want to just back up a little bit because I, I feel like you guys, you entered the market at such an early time for the quote unquote, like better for you space and category. And now if we look on the shelf, you know, especially in the mixes aisle, it's full like Kodiak cakes and simple mills and, and all of them are on the aisle. Do you feel like you have like the advantage because of the first mover or how do you guys feel like you are differentiating yourself now in such a crowded market with with like all the other incumbents? I think it's hard. Um, I think that, you know, it's it's funny because in a lot of, so we had mixes and then we discontinued the mixes and then we came back and now we're getting back out again, to be honest. <laughs> so I think a lot of times we've been very early in the market and Sometimes it suited us well, and sometimes we've been too early. And so as an example, mixes, but another example, we've had mushrooms in our product that we introduced, Rishi, and we had adaptogens like ashwagandha that maybe came out in 2017 or 18. So really just being like way ahead of the curve that sometimes that's great. And sometimes you're just too early for those adapters to really take it on and then we're not patient enough to to hold on to it until it's just at that right time so it's all right. about timing 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 yeah if you could go back into like the early days of when you launched the mixes is there something you would have changed i'm so curious like no did it or I, I don't i think i think truthfully the hard thing about mixes is the frequency with with which people buy them and use them. So as a category, I think it's a challenging category. It's like you see pancake mix, for example, which, you know, in the height of COVID rose to the highest that it probably ever will be. And now it's like fallen greatly and declined as a category. Um, so I think it's a tough category to be in. And that was one of the things pivoting to granola 
when we did is because, you know, I was demoing mix, our mixes all the time. And then I was starting to demo granola. And what I heard when I would demo mixes, especially living in New York City, is people would be like, I don't use my oven. Like I store my shoes in my oven. <laughs> and then you would demo granola. People would be buying like one or two bags a week. So from a velocity standpoint, you know, it's just very different. Yeah, it's so interesting because there, I feel like there is the education standpoint around mixes, especially in the better for you category, because people often think of, okay, if it's a packaged food, especially a mix, like, okay, Bisquick, like, is that what I'm equating this to? But no, this is a better for you product. And now this is how I make it. So it is like, how are you educating the consumer that this is like a better for you product? Is it in the branding? Is it in the marketing? How are you doing that? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say it's it's the packaging, it's the the branding and the marketing of it for sure. And where we are in the store, you know, when we, when you're next to other like-minded brands as well, I think it's very clear. Um, and then just like the naming convention of it, you know, it was very clear on the packaging of what we have in it and what we don't have in it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you, you just touched on the, the, your packaging and I know you did just go through a rebrand, which I do want to unpack. Your packaging was already amazing. And you had a, you know, cut out in the, in the granola that you could see what was in the bag. Now your new packaging, you can't see it, but it's like blown up. The colors are even brighter. Purely Elizabeth is bigger, different font. What was the impetus and what kind of, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So there were two main things I would say. One is that, you know, we, we did have great packaging, but I think like every great packaging, you can always use a refresh and you don't ever want to get stale. So it felt like, you know, as I said, if we're celebrating a 13th birthday, like it was just time to kind of give more life. And we really wanted to touch on a couple things in the packaging. One, bringing taste to the packaging in a greater way. And you touched on that we had this window, but at the end of the day, we looked at that and said like, is this really bringing taste appeal forward? Like, do you look at this window and say like, oh God, I want that granola. I don't know, I don't think so. And so that's where we ended up landing on having this beautiful photography of, of a bowl where it felt much more certainly modern and if we think about the influence of instagram and pinterest and photography just very much aligned with what consumers are used to looking at in their daily feed in their hand like it's no different than that um secondly we wanted to bring more personality and and the story behind the brand so now on the back of the packaging i am now on the back along a picture of me along with our story and that was really important because when we did testing with consumers and more conventional consumers, it's like people don't know the story. They don't know even know that there's a person. It could be this made up thing. And so we wanted to bring that voice and person behind it. And then third, we were also starting to see a lot of competition, especially private label copying our packaging. And so we wanted to make sure that we, you know, as a premium brand, we're not having a private label look exactly like our product. 
So that was that was kind of the third tier of it. Um, and I think, you know, where we netted out was a beautiful change that wasn't too far away from our packaging that, you know, I was just in Whole Foods this morning and seeing that even for me, seeing it side by side, it like took me a second to be like, oh, there's a the new packaging. Like it looks very seamless with old and new next to each other. Yeah. And going off of that, you guys are so, um, you rely so heavily on your colors. As you mentioned, you know, like people know the original as the yellow bag. People know these as different colored bags. Do you think that made it almost easier for you to create this new brand because you had something that was going to remain consistent, you know, between- For sure. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely one of our guardrails of like, we cannot change these colors. Like we, we knew that that's how consumers shopped. And so that was very important to, to keep. You'd have so many hate letters of like, <laughs> what do you mean originals blue now? Like, right. like you would be like, so, so you mentioned the, the, uh, the big, the big imagery, which now you can see on the packaging and the influx of social media having an impact on that. What else do you think social media has done for purely Elizabeth since you, you now have, I feel like, been in the the total span of where social media has like right, like Instagram didn't exist when I started. Exactly. So, like, what is that like? Yeah. What What is the evolution of the brand with social media? I mean, I think that we're very fortunate that we got on Instagram in the beginning, right? And so we've been able to really build an authentic community audience relationships with you know I, I look at some of like the influencers like rachel mansfield for example i don't know what her following was back when we con first connected with her but it was you know it was probably seven or so years ago and she was just starting out and you know we were just starting out and so we've just been on that journey together and really been able to have these, you know, fans that are like true connections and having, you know, we used to do all these influencer brunches and, um, you know, just very grassroots way that has stayed very true to the brand. And I think, you know, the other part is having me behind the brand that it's truly it's my it's my account which is funny because i don't i don't answer all of the dms we do have a social person on our team who does it as well but i'm on there posting to stories and it's like my mom is commenting or my friends are commenting in the dms so now we have a list of like don't respond to these people <laughs> but it's it's just you know it's real so i think that's what Worked That's well. one of my favorite parts of your brand. I mean, obviously it speaks for itself. The name of the company is Purely Elizabeth, but you you are still so involved. Like theoretically speaking, a brand of your size and the company of your size, a lot of times the founders are, you know, they take a back seat. They're not as hands-on. Um, but from my understanding, you still are, you're very much in that day-to-day um, and now you guys are, you're out of Boulder. So what is it like for you? Do you love the day to day? Do you find it just energizing? Like, how was that? Totally. Um, yeah, it definitely is rare. I would say at this 13 years in and the stage of, of business that we are. So we're a team of about 37 right now and in Boulder, we've been here for eight years and yeah, I love the day to day. Like it's to me, I'm just as energized today as I was maybe not 13 years ago. Cause that third first year was pretty thrilling, I will say. Um, but really the last call it 12, you know, 11 years, I feel the same. And it's, 
I think it's because every stage of the business brings with it different challenges and different ups and different downs. And so if it was static, that would become boring and be like, all right, I'm ready to like move on to something else. But it is really a new challenge. And, you know, for me, I think challenge brings me joy and propels me feeling like I'm constantly moving forward personally, professionally. And so, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm loving it. Speaking of, what do you feel like is like the biggest challenge of Purely Elizabeth today? It's definitely been our hardest, worst year in Purely history this past uh, 2022. I'm definitely ready to close this year and jump on to, to 23. So, you know, as, as every other brand has experienced and, you know, lots of industries, I don't know who hasn't been affected by the world um, so, you know, for us, oats are our biggest ingredient and the cost of oats went up 85% this year. So if you just even silo that as the one problem, that is a problem in itself. And, um, you know, our costs have dramatically increased. We've taken two price increases, which don't even cover our cost. It's funny, I was talking to someone yesterday and she was like, I was with someone who was complaining how much your granola was. And she, and this woman said to her friend, she's like, do you think they want to be doing that? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's hard and it's hard to know going now into this time in our world of, you know, what will happen as a higher priced item. Yeah. I was going to say, do you feel like your consumer has changed or do you feel like your loyal customers have stayed your loyal customers and you know the people that are buying your product occasionally are buying your product occasionally but not even just with the price changing but with the times and as you've developed and added more SKUs to the pipeline like what has that customer changed from to now i mean certainly we started off in the natural channel right in yeah. whole foods and it's still our baby i mean whole foods is still our number one account so that you know very I don't even want to say very health conscious consumer, but the health conscious consumer who values, you know, what they're putting, the ingredients that they're putting into their body has definitely been our core. However, because we've ex been able to expand so much um, into more of that conventional retailers and into places like Walmart, where we're now um, actually in January going to be getting into almost all of the stores, which is incredibly exciting and just incredibly exciting from an accessibility standpoint. So that's certainly going to widen for those who are looking for better for you who might not have had a great option where they live. Totally, totally. So I feel like you are one of, you know, the meccas because you've been around the block for so long and you started so long ago and you've built this incredible brand. And as we know, the CPG space is just every day there's there's a new brand that's started. Um, Which is wild. Wild, <laughs> wild. Like God knows what, but just anything. What do you feel like is the biggest challenge for up and coming founders, like entering the space? I think there's a lot of challenges. It's funny because walking Expo East last week, it felt like there were a ton of new brands and I felt in my heart like, God, I'm so thankful I'm not a new brand because this is gonna, I don't know how you break into the space right now. So I think, you know, from a, 
a retailer perspective, it's really hard. You know, retailers are still not taking in-person meetings. And so to, to woo a buyer over in a 15 minute Zoom is a lot harder than being in-person, feeling, sampling the product, like having that energetic, you know, back and forth exchange. So I think that's a real um, headwind and certainly all the supply chain pieces are a real headwind. Um, and I think, you know, at a 10,000 foot view, I think what's changed so much in the industry from when I started is that it felt a lot more like when I started, people were coming in, founders were coming in with a passion for the natural food space. Like they were coming to change something that that wasn't there that they were trying to change the system and i think over the years it's changed a lot where people now see the natural food space as a business opportunity rather than er an area of passion and so it's like oh i want to get into this space let me think about the product i can create versus coming from it from true passion uh, which is just different and then i think if you don't have that true passion like it's really hard to be an entrepreneur in this space. Like you need to put your every part of your being into it that if, if you don't have that passion, I don't know how you kind of withstand the test of the time. Yeah, passion. It's funny you say that because I think it is like the secret sauce. You can tell immediately. I mean, I was at, at last week at actually, you can tell immediately when you meet a founder, whether they're like in it, like you said, because they love what they're doing or because it's just kind of a thing that they do. And I mean, even the founders that didn't have booths and they were just walking the floor, passing out their stuff out of their backpacks. Like they just want people to have their stuff. They're just like, I'm so excited about this, but I can't afford to have a booth, but I'm still going to be here. And I think that is, that's exciting to see. But I also think like the influx of social media. And as you mentioned, like influencers have just made all of the roar, I guess, busier or louder, yeah. or it's like a hard, yeah, it's very hard to stand out. It's so hard to stand out. And speaking of, so you have your mixes in one area of the grocery store, if we're just talking whole foods, but so your mixes, you know, all are together in the grocery store in one area, granolas with cereals, you have your whole line. And now you have your, your boxes of cereal, which secret is the best thing in the entire world. So everyone needs to go buy that. Um, how do you feel like brands, like what do you think the difference is between brands standing out on the shelf these days? Because I mean, you have your lineup of 10, whatever, seven SKUs together. So you're creating those blocks in, this, in, in grocery, which is obviously a massive, massive advantage. But what do you think like stands out brands or how do you think they're winning over customers if they're just like walking through the aisles? I mean, it comes down to great packaging. And I think- you know, we've been fortunate that while we had a refresh, like we've always had great packaging and really stood out that our packaging was very unique in the space and unique in it. I mean, I think it's been unique in the entire grocery store, but I think you need to look at it as a brand of like what's unique in your set, because what might work and be this beautiful packaging in granola might not work in salty snack or something like that. So really just having something that stands out. And, um, you know, when we came out, what just came out with Ready to Eat Cereal, for example, it's like, you know, 
we don't look at that and put it next to the granola and say, how is this going to stand out? It's like putting it in that cereal set and say, okay, actually, nobody has an image of a bowl smack in the middle of the box, which is shocking. But that was a big revelation. We're like, your eye just goes right to the middle of the box. So that was one of the things that we you know, wanted to include in that design. So really looking at how your design works within the category. Yeah, that's so interesting. And what are you seeing in terms of like category expansion? So you just mentioned you did just launch a ready to eat, you know, cereal. You guys have your oatmeal in, in different form factors. What are you seeing in terms of like expansion across categories? What do you mean in terms of what am like, I saying? Are you, what are you seeing that's surprising to you or areas that you feel like you could go deeper into or what has made you kind of go into these tangential, like, for example, you have your, your collagen cups, the call like your oatmeal cups, and then you have your oatmeal packs, and then you have your oatmeal pouches. What, what do you find interesting about what customers are gravitating towards in these different form factors? It's definitely different use occasions. So, you know, the cups certainly being that usage occasion of grab and go. And at the time when we got into cups, there was very little innovation in the cup space. So it felt like this white space opportunity in that form factor. Um, and then we just launched multi-pack uh, and the boxed oatmeal this past year as well. And the same thing applied there where it was, you know, we actually historically hadn't done it because we hadn't found the right manufacturer who could do all the great ingredients that we want at the right price point. So it did take a long time to find that, but certainly, you know, that's a different usage occasion than the bulk oatmeal as well. Yeah. What's like a, yeah, I know Lululemon coins this term of your BHAG, of your big, hairy, audacious goal. What's like a, what's your, what's a goal of yours that like you haven't accomplished yet and you're, you're still working to achieve? Great question. Um, world dominance. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, I would say that coming out with cereal was a pretty big audacious goal. I mean, it's a $9 billion category. It's not, you know, it's dominated by General Mills and Kellogg's. And if we can just take a little sliver of that pie, that's, that's not nothing. So I think we have a lot of work ahead of us to really succeed in the category. And we're taking it slow, really trying to focus on the natural channel. And, you know, that's our wheelhouse. That's where we started and get it right with our core consumer. And, you know, if that means that we need to change anything along the way, but really listening to our consumer and getting it in their mouths and getting that feedback and, and then trying to take on big cereal. Yeah. How is the, how is the initial launch going? Are people loving it? Like what's the initial consumer feedback? Yeah, it's been great. It's been, I would say, what we had anticipated, what our movement would be at Whole Foods, but where we are now is where we thought we'd be like three months from now. So wow. it's off to a great start and feedback um, has been great. So so you have the two flavors, vanilla, blueberry, and the honey peanut butter. What and now on to, we're going to have to start thinking about a third. And what, what, what's been like the fan favorite between the two, or is it kind of like a split? It's been 50-50. Oh my God. I know. You're like, oh, why can't I know which people like that? I will say the one thing that we've found is that there are not many cereal manufacturers who allow peanuts. 
So yeah. I do see that that may be a limiting factor going forward. Like, do we end up having to make it a honey almond butter, for example? Because as we grow, can we not find as many partners to be able to produce it? So and that's like, been a learning. The school safe, like the kids, right. it's like a super kid category. Also like form factors for cereals. If you go into cups and things for planes or all yeah. of that. Yeah. Interesting. That's I have. Yeah. The peanuts, the peanut thing. Um, but at the same time, if you were to pull consumers of what flavor they want, they want peanut butter. So always, it's like, it's always peanut butter. It's right. always peanut butter. Um, that's a hard, that's a tough one. Um, I want to ask you a couple quick fire questions. It's like our favorite part of the podcast. Um, whatever comes to mind, zero pressure. All right. What's your favorite Purely Elizabeth product? Our new vanilla blueberry almond cereal. Okay. What's your favorite previous favorite product? Our original granola. Original granola. What has been the most creative way you've seen like a Purely Elizabeth product used by Ooh. either like consumers or, or even you? Um, I don't know if this is the most creative because we've definitely seen like hundreds of different ways, but I think my, f I'll, I'll change the question into my favorite way. Yeah, there you is, go. Is, is a pie crust. And whether that be like the bottom of a lemon bar or a raw cheesecake or a apple pie, it's really, you just grind it in a Cuisinart with coconut oil and you can do just coconut oil. You can do like coconut and peanut butter or coconut and date. And it is amazing. Ooh, I have to, with any, any flavors that granola works with. Yeah. Any. Oh my God. We have a bunch of those recipes on our website too. If you just search like pie or crust or cheesecake. Yeah. Interesting. Um, New York or Boulder. Boulder. But spend time in New York. <laughs> That's fair. Um, okay. So we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So what are some things that you do on a daily, weekly basis to be able to show up not only for yourself, but for Purely Elizabeth that make you the best version of yourself? I love to do all the things that make me feel great. Um, so I, I get up early in the morning. I play with my dogs in the morning which brings me a lot of joy. And some of those mornings while I'm doing that, I multitask and listen to superhuman app meditations that are kind of meant for multitasking, which is why I love them so much. Um, and then I work out and that's a non-negotiable for me, really more mentally than physically and change it up between kind of whatever I'm feeling that day, just really trying to listen to my body and doing that more often than not than having a, a actually then I'll go on a walk and then I'll have breakfast. So I'd like to really take my mornings slow and not feel rushed. And I laugh that like I get up at five and somehow I'm never at our office by nine o'clock. I'm like rushing to get there, even though I've had four hours to do all these like lovely things in the morning. Um, and then, you know, I would say my diet throughout the day is like very nourishing that I'm listening to my body. And at night, I, especially now that it's still been nice out, I like to get out and walk, especially like a day that I'm in the office all day. If I haven't been outside, that's super important, especially being here in Boulder to get out in nature. Um, 
sometimes take a yoga class or take a bath at night, like something really, I start my day so well. And for a while I wasn't doing anything at night. And I finally recently realized that I need that same kind of balance at night that brings a lot of peace that I have in my morning. So doing that or reading or just a hot shower with eucalyptus, um, those are some of the things, but I have like a laundry list. <laughs> the wind, people, people often forget about the wind down routine. Yeah. They're so focused on their morning routine, but wind down, I feel like is, if not just as important, more important. Cause it's like setting you up for, you know, how, how you go to bed or whatnot. And my sleep is a total non-negotiable. So I've, I have an aura ring. I had the whoop, like I'm very into all of that stuff and put a lot of emphasis on getting at least eight hours of sleep. Data, data, data. Love that. Um, levels. Oh yeah. Where can our listeners find Pure Elizabeth? Of course, if they haven't already found it. <laughs> you can find us nationwide at Whole Foods, Target, Kroger, Walmart, and uh, everything in between and on purelyelizabeth.com. Amazing. Elizabeth, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for having me. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.